uh, Kevin, the picture of, of uh, Molly's massive fish. Anybody see Jess's post on Facebook of Molly's fish? Anybody see that? you got to go check that out. It was, uh, it was pretty great. Molly uh, caught a fish, and the bait was like this long, and the fish was like this long. And so it was pretty fun. But she caught her first fish. That was a lot of fun. Um, we went to, uh, on the way back home from camping, we went to Biddendorf's. And uh, so we're eating there. We ate outside on the patio out there. And uh, Molly, I taught her how to blow straws, you know, tear the end off and blow the straw, because that seems like a good dad thing to do. And uh, so now she wants to blow them all the time. So we get in there. She takes it off. She blows it. Jess looks at me in disapproval and then looks back at her. And, uh, and it's like, now look, that, that straw went into the water, and a fish is going to eat it and die. And then Molly looks down on the floor, and the straw's right there. <laughs> and she's like, but it's right there. No fish died. You lied, Mommy. <laughs> so that was pretty fun for me. Uh, but you notice, as your kids get older and older, it's like harder and harder to fool them, you know? And it's harder and harder to trick them into, like, whatever you want them to believe. My students at, at school, I used to, um, transparency, I used to just lie to them all the time. But then I learned that, like, they'll always ask, can I just, I don't know, can I do something this way? Can I just wire it this way? And I'm like, no, if you wire it that way, you'll kill everyone who ever walks into the building. And then what I learned is that instead of saying that, I just say, why don't you Google it and try to find out? Until you know a different way, do it my way. Uh, Because what they do when you tell them you're going to blow up everybody who looks in the building, now they want to see photos of, of of places that have blown up because of bad wiring. And so they're going to Google it anyway and try to figure out if you're wrong or if you're lying. And uh, I often am. So now I just tell them to look it up on their own. Um, So it's not easy to get by with with lying. The older that people get, um, you lie to your kids to get them to eat their vegetables. Um, Teachers lie to students to get them to stop asking the same questions over and over. Uh, repairmen lie to people so that you won't worry that something's going to explode or it's going to be a problem that will never actually be a problem. And so they just tell you a little lie to keep you from worrying. Is there a better way to get at the truth? Probably so. You should probably find the, 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 the path of saying the hard truth in the best way. But of all those things, you know, I'm not telling on anybody for that. Like, that's not, those aren't, those aren't huge things. But in Second Peter chapter 2, Peter addresses sort of these big lies. Lies with potential to ruin lives. And here's what's crazy. Lives aimed at, at children. Not, not little children, but more like spiritual children. And he tells some of these truths, and uh, he, tells, he calls out some of these liars. And he says they're lying to some people who are Christians already, some people who are just trying to check it out, you know, and and just wandering into the church, you know, for the first time. And these people are aiming their lies at these people. And so in chapter 1, we covered 2 Peter chapter 1 last week. In 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, he talks about all these ways you can thrive as a believer and how you don't have to live sort of like making the same mistakes over and over. And then in, in the second chapter, he sort of goes almost totally away from positivity, and he jumps into all the things that can totally derail you. If I can be honest with you for a minute, I want to tell you something that you absolutely already know. But there are, in our very city, there are 
these false teachers, like, like you're going to hear him talk about. And they have big platforms, and they tell incredible lies, and they hurt a heck of a lot of people, and it's all, all around us. And even if you don't go to one of their services, it affects you. And before we even read the passage, I want you to see this, because, man, this, this gets me every time, sort of this reality. But I want you to see, like, like, the way Jesus talks to people. And there's a way that he talks to, like, like some people that seem so forgiving and so full of grace. And then there's a way that he talks to these false teachers that seems just the opposite. And you want to know how seriously biblical authors take this stuff and Jesus takes that kind of stuff? You just read around the text for a minute. So, so look, check this out. This is interesting. Jesus addresses adulterer. They catch this woman. She's like, you know, cheating on her husband. She's done all kind of crazy stuff. And, uh, and they catch this woman in the act, and they're going to stone her. And, 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 you know, it's clear that she's guilty. It's clear that she's done a lot of terrible things. And Jesus stands in front of her, and he says, Hey, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And he's, it's, it's like he's saying, Hey, I recognize that you have sin. But hey, we've all got some sin, and the punishment here doesn't fit the crime. And, and so he comes at her with this extreme compassion. There's some other passages where Jesus comes across these prostitutes, and clearly they're, you know, it's, it's no secret at all. And what does Jesus say to them? He tells them to come in and dine with him. And, and his message to them is so the opposite of what you may expect. And then you get to these Pharisees. Then you get to some of these false teachers. And what does he say to them? He says, he calls them vipers. He's like, you brood of vipers. He says, the blackest darkness is reserved for you. He calls them brute beast, And he says a whole bunch of other things. And so Jesus is incredibly forgiving of the sinner and he is incredibly intolerant of, of people who pretend to teach truth in the church that really don't. And so if you think it was a big deal to you, if you get sick of hearing the extra garbage, you are way behind Jesus. Because what did Peter Parker's uncle tell us? Anybody know? He said, I had a slide, but I couldn't get it to work today. He said, with great power comes... Yeah, there we go. There's the nerd corner. That's right. With great power comes great responsibility. And that is really exactly the idea. He says it's one thing to, to have a whole lot of sin. And is that good? No, that's not good. But it's a whole other thing to stand in front of people and pretend to be preaching biblical truth and have this ultimate responsibility and this ultimate platform and be telling complete lies. That's a big, big deal. Second Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read a fair amount of the chapter, almost the whole chapter, and I'm going to do it because you probably haven't read, and some of you guys haven't read an entire chapter in a long time. And for one, get it together. I mean, they got the Bible on audio, you can listen to it, you know, so, so, so start reading some. But also, uh, now you can say that you have, right? So you have read a whole, almost a whole chapter this morning. So uh, for all the, all the bull that you heard on TV this week, from some politician or from someone else in your house or whatever, and all the crazy stuff that you may have heard over the course of this week, you heard a lot of good scripture on Sunday morning. So I'm going to read a whole bunch of the passage, all right? Second Peter chapter 2, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. I'm sorry if that bothers you, that your text is going to be different from what I'm saying. 
I know I hate it when I'm down there and I got the NIV and somebody's reading from the NLT. Anyway, I'm projecting personal problems onto you. But anyway, NLT. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, but there were also false prophets in Israel. You get that? He's saying, we have those now, and they had them like forever. They've always been around. There were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false prophet, false teachers among you. Here's what they'll do. They'll cleverly teach destructive heresies, and they'll even deny the master who bought them. And this way they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Get this one. This one, this one may connect with you. Uh, verse 3. In their greed, these false teachers, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. Does that sound familiar? Like they, they've been doing it for a long, long time. In their greed, they, they make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. Skip way over, skip, skip all the way down to verse 12. It says, these false teachers we're talking about, they're like unthinking animals. They're creatures of instinct. They're born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Did I tell you he's not a fan of them? He calls them animals. He calls them all kinds of things. It says, their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in, in broad daylight. They're a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight Get this, they delight in deception. They love that they get to trick people, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. Did you get that? Like, that one grabs me. They delight in deception, even as they sit and eat with you. They love that they get to sit right across from you and know that you're totally fooled. Verse 14, they commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable Read unstable, if you're following along, as unlearned. People that, that haven't learned the truth, you know, means it, it's, it's talking specifically of the Bible. They lure unstable or unlearned people into sin, and they are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They've wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. If you haven't read that story in the Old Testament, you're like, all of a sudden we're talking about donkeys. But anyway, it's a story in the Old Testament. Verse 17. These people we're talking about, they are as useless as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They're doomed to blackest darkness. You get what he says? He says, like, imagine you're in the desert and you've got this real parched tongue and, and it's like, because they were real near the desert here and, and, and you're close to it and, and you see what looks like a spring. You know, they kind of have these little wells that dip down and, and, you're, and you're parched and you finally make your way to this spring and when you get there and you've exhausted all your energy in the desert to make it, you got this cotton mouth, and you, you finally get there, and what do you know? It's a dried-up spring. And he said that, that's kind of how these people are. You know, they, they promise you a whole lot, and you give a whole lot of energy, and when you get to the end where, where they have promised so much, it all kind of comes up empty. They're like these dried-up springs. Verse 18, they brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. 
with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom. Isn't that what they do, man? They make a lot of promises. But they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. Get this passage. Get this one statement he makes here. He says, For you are a slave to whatever controls you. You are a slave to whatever controls you. They're often slaves to greed. You're a slave to whatever you can't give up. Whatever you can't get away from. I may be a slave to coffee, I'm not sure. Verse 20. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. The last verse here. They prove the truth of this proverb. These false teachers, they prove this truth. That a dog returns to its vomit, and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. Ironically, when I was walking outside this morning, my dog was outside on the rug eating his own vomit. How about that? Um, happens all the time. This happened, also happened this morning. Um, what's he saying in that last line? Uh, in, in real estate, people say all the time, when you see a, a building that looks real nasty, and then like three weeks later it looks really nice, they always say, you can put lipstick on a pig, you know, but it's still a pig. And so that building may have some, some fresh paint on it, but it's still, it's still in bad shape. And he says the same thing about them. They put on some nice clothing. Sometimes they put on really nice clothing, you know, drive super nice cars. But underneath that, it's just a pig who will eventually return to the mud and take everyone to the mud with them that they can. That's the nature of the false teacher. God, we praise you for your word. We just thank you for the opportunity to digest a lot of it. And we thank you for the truth and the warnings that it puts out to us. Amen. So here's what I'd say. Very, very clearly, as clearly as possible, don't be fooled. False teachers are out there. And not only are they out there, they are more deceptive than you may think. False teachers are absolutely out there, and they're way more deceptive than you think. Some of them are easy to spot. Some of them you can ride down the road not far, and you can see really big, big, big houses. And when you find out that that person is a pastor, you're like, man, that something seems nefarious. You know, something seems off there. And so sometimes when you have this, you know, you have these, these people with these big platforms and they're asking for millions of dollars and they're asking to, you know, and, and, and they, they live in a house the size of the town. And, and, you know, that's easy. It sort of seems like something sort of seems off there, even if it doesn't come to you right away. And it may have fooled some people, but, but you can look at it and say something seems off. Sometimes false teachers are kind of easy to spot, but sometimes they're a little bit harder to see. Sometimes they mix a lot of good in with a little bit of very, very bad. And I used to have this, this old pastor that, that pastored the church that I grew up in. He was there for like 30 years. And I don't even know what strychnine is, but I think it's poison. Anybody know? Yeah. Does any young people know what strychnine is? Uh, some people do. Anyway, apparently it's poison. But he used to say, if you make delicious brownies and you put a little bit and everything's good, but you just put a pinch of strychnine in it, then it kills you. 
And so that's sort of what false teachers do, is they, they put a whole lot of good in there, and then they throw just enough bad to make it poisonous. So here's how you spot a false teacher, right? So just in case you weren't sure, here's how you do it. Um, you follow Jesus' teachings, and they'll teach something different. Always. Maybe not on every point, but on something really important, you follow Jesus' teachings, and they'll teach something different. And that's how you know. And if on any one point where Jesus is very clear and very dogmatic, if they teach something different, you found the false teacher. And, and I'm not talking about things like this, okay? I wanted to draw up here, but every time I start drawing on the board, my students fall asleep. So I just thought I'd, I'd run away from that. But it's sort of like a pyramid when we think about, like, theology, okay? So, so theology kind of works like this. If you have this pyramid, okay, think about that. If you're not sure what a pyramid is, think that old food triangle, right? That'll help you out. And so you got the bottom layer, which I think was grains or something like that. And so the bottom layer is, is foundational theology. We would call foundational theology like saying you must be saved by grace through faith. In other words, you can't save yourself. And if you're going to call yourself Christian, that's something you're going to have to believe. That's going to be in the bottom tier, okay? And, and then in the next tier are going to be things that maybe sometimes we disagree on. Little things that, you know, we read Scripture and go, well, I think it says this. Well, I'm not 100% sure. It's not foundational to call yourself a Christian, but it's something that we, we just can't quite land on. And then the top tier will, will be like opinion. These are opinion things. And some people say, my opinion is that we have really fast music. And some people say, my opinion is that we never use music at all. And some people have another opinion. And, and usually, usually those, diff, those top two layers start distinguishing between all the different uh, denominations that we have. I have a different opinion, or I sort of interpret this a little bit different, so we do it different. But if you're going to call yourself Christian, you've got to be the same in the bottom tier. So what I'm talking about with false teachers is not people who have a little bit of a different opinion than I do. I'm talking about people who, when we get down to foundational things, they're teaching something other than what Jesus taught. And so that foundational stuff, that's sort of what we're talking about. Um, here's what they do. They get unlearned people to follow them by teaching some of these truths, and they slowly interject all this stuff. So here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell you a few people who do this on a really large national stage because I don't think they listen to our podcast, and even if they do, I'm going to tell the truth. So, um, but, but there are sort of some people out there that, man, they really profit from this kind of thing. You probably heard, and, and, and if you listen to them, man, don't, don't stage a walkout, okay? Let's talk about it after. Um, one very prominent would be Joel Osteen. And, and you know, just sometimes when you look at him and you see, and, you know, sometimes to me when I look and I see the big grin, you know, have you ever seen him? And a lot of blinks, it just feels like he's not telling me the truth, you know what I mean? But, but that's really got nothing to do with it, all right? I got lots of problems with my appearance as well. Um, but but here, here's where he begins to, to say some foundational things that are different from Scripture. He says that he promises rich, earthly, material blessings in return for really believing in yourself. And there are foundational problems with that. The first foundational problem is that Jesus promised just the opposite for faithfulness. He said, if you want to follow me, uh, I'm going to describe it like this. You're taking up a cross and you're going to bear that, and that's what it's going to be like. 
And all the disciples, right, except for one who luckily got to die in prison, all the rest of them died a martyr's death, a really torturous, suffering death. And I would imagine that if they could come come here now and hear someone say to them, if you had only believed in yourself a little more, you could have avoided that. I, I think that may, you know, even if they're slow to anger, it may make them a bit angry. And so, so you know, that it, totally the opposite of everything that Jesus says about the life of a believer. He says promises are in heaven and the promises are beyond this world. And there's so much goodness here, but it's not in material blessings. So it, it's a foundational. It's, a, it's totally different. And the other part is the idea that you've got to look within yourself and find your best you. And that's where the goodness is. Because Jesus says the goodness is in God. We are, we are flawed and sinful by nature. By nature, there's not good in us. And if there is any good in us, it's the God in us. And so it's just the opposite of Scripture. So, so if you ever wondered, what is it that he says that's so wrong? That's the piece that, that very clearly flies in the face of that. Here's one that I, uh, I made some um, enemies of before because it's a little bit more cloaked. But, um, but how about Joyce Meyer? And I thought for a long time, I thought, man, what is the problem? You know, like I hear people talk about her, but man, people say a lot of things, you know. And so I wonder, I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's a real problem there or if it's just people saying things. So I started digging in. There's a little bit of secret kind of bad theology, what I would consider bad theology about the deity of Jesus. And so there's a little bit of that in there. But, but when you dig a little deeper, I think that's a big deal, but it's some, some, some scriptures that maybe... I don't know, maybe we could just not see eye to eye on. But then that theology leads her to this. This is She actually said this exactly. She said that she, Joyce Meyer, is not a sinner. She doesn't sin. She doesn't sin at all. It just doesn't happen for her. And you know how she got to the point where she doesn't sin? She just stopped believing she was a sinner. And when she stopped believing that she was a sinner, you can go look it up. When she stopped believing that she was a sinner, she just stopped sinning, and that was the key to it all. Now she can do it incredibly perfectly. Meanwhile, the biblical authors, Paul says, hey, you know what I am? I'm the chief of sinners. <laughs> I sin all the time. And, 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 and Scripture says that we all sin, and if we say we don't sin, then, then we're a liar and the truth isn't in us. And so all you have to do is begin to listen, but you won't know that it's not true if you don't know the text. There are some other things, too. Anyone who claims to get new revelation that add to or contradict Scripture... Like, like, you know, I just believe, I just believe there are many paths to God. As long as you're nice, then you go to heaven. And you know what? I don't mind anyone saying that. But what I do mind is when somebody opens the text and says, right here, it teaches that. That's when I have a problem with that. Because the text doesn't say that. You can kind of see that in there. Uh, anyone that denies the reality of hell. Um, you can listen to clever preaching. And, man, people, people will try to open the text and purport to be gospel-centered preachers and say, that is not real. They say, and and here's what they say, and man, look how convincing this can sound. If all you do is listen to me, which is not a good idea, but if all you do is, is listen to me and you don't ever dig into the text, they'll say, you know, the Bible never mentions hell. You know, it metaphorically describes something really bad that, that may happen if you don't follow Jesus, but it's all metaphorical. And, and, and it does talk about separation from Jesus, you know, saying that you can die and be separated from Jesus, but it doesn't talk about hell. There's not an actual place of torment. It's not in the Bible. You know, you don't see it in there. 
verse. Just, just, just very clearly not in there. You know, if you account for this and you account for that, you can see that's not in there. They don't even talk about it all that much in the Bible. And so don't live in fear of hell. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to even think about it. It's not a thing, you know. Uh, Jesus wasn't worried about it. Jesus didn't talk about it. You know, it's, it's, it's totally, you just, you just check it out. It's not in there. And man, you can hear them and they'll start digging into some scripture and they'll start, start kind of pulling some, some things around and they'll just take one little bitty excerpt, like four words, and another little bitty excerpt in four words. And you'll start to say, that sounds pretty good. But then when you get out your own Bible and you start reading it, you go, whoa, you can't get there from here. And so that's how you can begin to pick out somebody. And usually, usually here's the reality they're going to get around to something incredibly self-serving, something that's incredibly good just for me. And you'll have some fringe benefits, but it's going to be real clear that I'm the one benefiting. And if you want to see these false teachers, that's usually where you're going. Um, If you want to know for sure if what someone's saying is true, there's a great way to do it. It's your Bible. I read out of the NLT today because I can understand it. Because it's really clear to me. Man, find something that makes sense to you, and you can get it. So there are false teachers out there, and some of them are really hidden, and, and, and their desires to lead you astray. Let me tell you this story, and I'm, I'm running short on time. But there was, this, uh, there was this guy I heard him tell a story about. He was golfing in Florida, and, uh, and he said he gets near. I think I told the story before, you know, but you just laugh at it anyway. Um, but anyway, so he, he's golfing. He sees a sign near one of these big marshes, and it says, um, flee from alligators. Anybody remember this story? I said this before. Okay, good. Um, it said, flee from alligators. And he's thinking, he's like, you know, uh, what does it mean to flee? Like, it doesn't say, don't feed the alligators. And it doesn't say, don't ride the alligators like a pony, you know. Like, like it does, it's not clear what flee is. Um, but what is clear is, is what flee is not. You know, um, fleeing is not sticking your hand in the alligator's mouth and daring him to bite you. And fleeing is not, you know, uh, uh, poking him on the head with your golf club. And so it may not be real clear what, you know, all the things that you can and can't do, but you know that fleeing is not get as close as you possibly can to it. And, 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 and that, you know, that very clearly is not what it means when it says flee. Uh, Paul says, a lot of biblical authors say to flee, flee from immorality, flee from idolatry, flee from sins of all kinds. I would say if you want a good strategy from false teachers, I think it would be to flee. Flee from false teachers and do do it with two things in mind. Um, I'd say flee from it in your own spirituality. Uh, You know, I would imagine that, that false teachers have made you doubt your own faith and have made you doubt, have made other people doubt your faith. You know, when I talk about this church, you know what I feel like people really want me to get around to? is like, how weird is it? You know, like, is it one of those really weird ones? Because you don't have a building, so already I'm skeptical, you know. Your website doesn't say a whole lot, and so I'm really wondering what it's all about. Because they know that there's some bad stuff out there. And I would say flee from that. You know, flee from, flee from the doubts that you have about all of Christianity just because you've heard some of that. Um, flee from them in your own spirituality. Um, and, and I would say don't doubt your own pastor because you know some crazy ones. 
Um, and that doesn't mean that don't check what I say against the text and don't, you know, don't hold me accountable and those kind of things. But man, it's incredibly hard to follow your pastor when you're constantly waiting. And, and no matter where you go or who your pastor is, it's incredibly hard to follow when you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, you're like, eventually you're going to say something crazy. And I'm, I knew it was crazy the whole time. And, and boy, you just got one foot in the door because you're thinking that there's a good chance that this is going to get crazy at some point. Man, I've, 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 I've walked this road with people for a long time where they're so sure that even though I'm a nice guy, it's going to get bad at some point. And I would say flee from, from all this thinking and this thing that, teachers put in your mind that there's something inherently bad about church because it can put it in your mind. The more you listen to it and the more you see it. So I would say, say flee from those teachers. Flee from false teachers. Also, um, if I mean, I'm going to be honest. If you have a, a close friend that, that goes to a church and it's very clearly led by some, some false teaching, man, speak some truth. You know, we've been talking about it just this past week about, uh, you know, the, the man, the, the evil of, of not speaking truth when you should. Man, let somebody know some truth. And I'm not saying hatefully interject. I'm just saying lovingly inform somebody that there's some lack of truth here. You listen to a podcast or you read a book or you watch somebody on TV, do some research. And listen very clearly to what they say. And look, I read a lot of stuff that I don't agree with. But I want to know if I'm, I, I want to I dig through this and compare it to Scripture to know, am I reading this, you know, with what intent am I looking at this? You know, and if I'm going into it saying this is good, godly wisdom, um, I want to know whether that's real or not. And so I would say flee from some of those teachers because the, the little bit of, of illness that they interject, man, it just floods the whole body. Because here's some reality as we kind of close. Here's some, here's some reality about it all. Um, number one, if you're a believer, you've been called to a way better life than that. You've been called to a way better life than your best life now. And you've been called to a better life than, than trying to believe in yourself as much as you can so that you can get as much as you can. You've been called to a heck of a lot better life than that. You've been called to a better life than, than, than funding the private purchases of, of somebody who is practicing greed. You've been called to a better life than all that stuff. And that's just a reality. God called you to accomplish way more than being a part of that. And secondly, I would say that one of the things he says in the text is he says, when these teachers are able to grab someone who's, who's not, a, not a believer but, but really seeking and really trying to find some truth, and they happen to get grabbed by these folks, it says, um, you share in their judgment. It says when they're believers, the whole story in there about Lot, and it says when the faithful sort of get tricked, it says God pulls them up from there, you know? It says when the unfaithful sort of get lured in, it says eventually you begin to share in that judgment. And that's why I encourage people to share some truth about getting away from it. Because you only, you're only fooled for so long and then you're taking part in the trickery. And so hard, the harsh truth is flee from that because you become a part of it the longer that you're in it. Let me pray. God, I... Um, I just praise you for some honest warning. And I, I just know full well that when I look out at the world around